Welcome to the Food Freedom Fertility Podcast. Here, we discuss the challenging, rewarding, and life-changing process of recovering your period and finding freedom with food and exercise. Whether you're hoping to regain your cycle to get your health back on track, or you're ready to become a mama, this podcast is for you. While the recovery process isn't always rainbows and butterflies, it's my hope to bring you both information and inspiration during your own recovery journey. I'm your host, registered dietitian and fellow HA woman, Lindsay Lesson. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode on the Food Freedom Fertility Podcast, HA Recovery and Beyond. I am super, super excited to bring on an expert in prenatal nutrition and talk a little bit about how you can go from working to get your period back, getting pregnant, and then navigating all of the nutrition recommendations during pregnancy, which can be so confusing. So Stephanie Laurie is a registered dietitian, certified lactation educator, and a mom of two girls, ages two and four. Throughout her first pregnancy, she was surprised at the minimal focus there was on nutrition during this critical life stage. As a dietitian, she was sought out by other pregnant friends for her guidance. It was then she knew she wanted to become a resource for pregnant women worldwide to gain confidence in their food choices throughout their own pregnancy journey. Over the past few years, she has shifted from focusing on general pregnancy nutrition and now helps pregnant women across the globe who struggle with their relationship with food and body image feel confident and empowered in their food choices for both mom and baby while shutting out the noise and expectations from diet culture. Welcome, Stephanie. Thanks so much for having me, Lindsay. There is such a need for what you do because even, so I'm about, um, I'm heading into the third trimester of my third pregnancy. And even in like the pregnancy apps, there's like these general tidbits about nutrition, which can be totally well-meaning and great, but some of them are also just so laced with diet culture. And I think that this is I mean, you already think about a pregnant woman just being like hormonally, you know, vulnerable to a lot of messages. Um, You know, it's just crazy that there's so much out there and there isn't more of a like neutral nutrition message during pregnancy. Yeah, it's really hard. I mean, over the last 20 plus years, there's more and more research coming out um, regarding nutrition during pregnancy, during your fertility journey and the implications on baby's health and mom's health, but they're not really like a cause effect, right? Like, you know, we know that with research and there's so many uh, nuances when it comes to research. And so while that's so helpful in guiding, um, you know, health and nutrition and recommendations throughout pregnancy, it's also not the most realistic. And so trying to be a pregnant woman in 2022 with everything that we have surrounding us, it's like, you know, it's, it's so overwhelming because of all the noise and all the resources and information that you get from so many different sources. So women are like, what do I do? What do I believe? What's right? You know, they, they want to do everything they can for, you know, their health and their baby's health, but it can be a big challenge when there's so much information to consume. 
almost like there's too much information. And yet, like when you go to your OB, typically there's like zero information. And that is that kind of what led you to recognizing like the gap and recognizing people needed support with this? Absolutely. And as a dietitian, I'm a little bit more hyper aware of when providers talk about nutrition and what recommendations they give just because, you know, that's what we study. That's what we know. And so I was just sort of like waiting to hear, like, I was so curious what the guidance was going to be specifically about nutrition, because I kind of had an idea, um, you know, being a nutrition professional. And so I was shocked at just the lack of acknowledgement about nutrition. Like here I am a dietitian and a first time mom or, you know, pregnant woman. And I felt overwhelmed with, you know, I had all these questions that really weren't addressed. And so I was like, well, if someone who like for me, who has this background knowledge, I couldn't even imagine what just, you know, a a woman who's pregnant for the first time or even second time who doesn't have that background knowledge, like where is their mind at during all of this? Um, if I even felt this confused and overwhelmed. And so that's really what kind of put a light bulb and a fuel under the fire, you know, is that the saying? (laughs) Um, and then a lot of my friends were pregnant at the same time too. And they were like asking, well, what are you doing? What are, what, you know, what are like, just asking me for that help because they didn't have that guidance either. So I was like, oh my gosh, this is a real need and a, a huge gap in care for so many of us during like such a crucial time in our lives. Yeah. And like leaving women like to their own devices to just kind of like navigate pregnancy nutrition is crazy, which kind of brings me to one of my first questions for you is like, you know, you have, um, a, a, a big Instagram following and you're, you're big on social media. And we'll talk a little bit about what her handle is and how to follow her in a little bit. Um, but there's so much information, like we've kind of already touched upon, And there's so much misinformation. Stephanie, what would you see are like maybe the three biggest myths you see kind of spreading around social media about eating during pregnancy or pregnancy nutrition? Yeah, um, there's so many, um, but to, to, to minimize it, I would say that one of the biggest things is like most women get handed a list or are told all the foods or things that you need to avoid. And that really scares women to being afraid to really eat anything. And so then you go from, you know, just overwhelm on like, should I eat that? Is this safe? Googling, um, just really being, being afraid to, to eat anything, thinking that it's going to harm their baby. In reality, there's really not as many things that need to be avoided because there are safer ways to consume those foods. Um, and more so that's from a standpoint of bacterial risk for, you know, getting a foodborne illness, not so much like a food needs to be avoided, you know, for any other reason. Um, 
so, so that's a big one that I see. Um, I think just with proper education on how to safely consume these foods, it doesn't necessarily need to be avoided. And I think what people tend to forget is that any food is at risk for being contaminated. Um, you know, and so the amount of foods that have shown up on, um, you know, like the FDA or the WHO contamination lists over the past so-and-so years can range from a wide variety of sources. So just because they're, you know, it showed up on um, the list years ago doesn't mean that it's something that needs to be avoided forever. Um, and so I think that's like a big fear for pregnant women. Yeah, for sure. I think that whenever people think about eating during pregnancy, the first thing they think about is like the restrictions, things that you can't eat, like anything from like, you know, soft boiled eggs to deli meats to cheeses. And, um, yeah, it can be overwhelming and you can feel very confused and also scared because when you do read about these like recalls and things that happen that are very serious, but also very rare, um, it, I mean, they're scary because they can be very serious to, to mom or baby. Exactly. Exactly. And I think too, having these lists of restrictions can also set people into a spiral for those who have struggled with restrictive mindsets and constant dieting in the past to where it can really trigger them, whether they're coming out of that and trying to minimize their restrictive mindset. Um, and then you're only handed a list of all these foods you need to avoid that can just be really triggering for them and scary and bring people back into old ways of thinking old patterns. And so that's just not a great place to start when that's typically the first and only piece of information you get regarding nutrition for pregnancy. Yeah, definitely. And I know like a lot of the women that I work with are very like type A and they're like, just give me the list, you know, and they'll be very, you know, diligent about not eating those certain things. But you're right. When you start restricting things down, that could just get you in that mindset of like, oh, well, maybe I'm not supposed to eat, you know, any seafood. Maybe I'm not supposed to eat any sugar. And so is sugar, I, I feel like I see that like all over social media, even from some like prenatal dietitians who, again, probably mean really well, but this information in a very vulnerable mindset can easily spiral. And so what is kind of the truth around like added sugar during pregnancy? Is this something that should be completely avoided? Is it something that is dangerous to mom or baby? What have you read and what's your approach to sugar during pregnancy? Yeah. So I, um, I love sugar. I don't know many people who don't. Right. So I think it's really unrealistic to expect any person to avoid sugar. It's, I mean, it's in anything like people will go as far as not eating as much fruit because of, you know, the quote unquote sugar and fruit. I have a very realistic approach to nutrition, whether you're pregnant or not. I don't, I do not believe that sugar needs to be completely eliminated. My big approach is teaching balance, um, meals and snacks. And anytime you are consuming anything with a carbohydrate or, you know, sugar to include additional nutrition from protein, fat, fiber that, um, help. Ultimately, when you eat anything with sugar, as you know, this will cause your blood sugar to rise. 
However, when you add your protein, your fat, your fiber, that balances out that spike of blood sugar to keep your blood sugars more balanced. And ultimately that is more so the goal. So, you know, I don't ever tell my clients to avoid cravings. Um, you know, whether that be a donut or ice cream or chocolate, you know, whatever you're craving, I just teach more of a balanced, um, a balanced plate approach when you are, um, consuming, you know, sugar or a craving. And what I love about that is it's not about restricting. It's honestly about adding. So like, Mm -hmm. if you have a donut, have it with, a latte or a glass of milk to get in some protein and fat too. So it's like, it's not a restrictive mindset. It's like, have your cake and eat it too. And let's also add in some gentle nutrition, which I think like is kind of the foundation of just like your whole philosophy with intuitive eating during pregnancy. Is that, is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 There's no, nothing you need to limit. Um, let's focus on what we can add. And that's, you know, also kind of goes back to that foods to avoid list. Like it's so overwhelming when you just have a list of foods to not eat that people are like, well, what should I eat? What can I eat? So I more so focus on the things to include, include at different stages of pregnancy based on the different nutritional requirements we have and not focus so much on, you know, what you should be avoiding. Yes. I love that. Well, I think intuitive eating can be tricky for people in general, but I think pregnancy can add an additional layer of difficulty in terms of like listening to your body and going off of hunger and fullness, because as we know, both being moms, like pregnancy comes with nausea and reflux and all these like weird digestion changes. And so, um, let's think about somebody who's like newly pregnant, Stephanie, what would you, you know, what tips would you share with somebody who is wanting to focus on intuitive eating during their pregnancy, but they just don't feel well, like navigating like the food aversions and things like that. Like how can you marry intuitive eating during that first trimester of pregnancy when you physically don't feel good? It's so challenging. And I mean, for both of us who have been pregnant, like we understand what that feels like. Um, and so typically I suggest just starting with what sounds good. Like if you, um, you know, food aversions is a big one for me. And so, you know, I would kind of start by like, what sounds good right now? And then what could I potentially add that might give a little nutrition, but is going to be something that, I can tolerate. That's not going to make me feel sick. Um, I think part of it goes to like, for me, I know that when I, when my stomach felt empty, that's what caused nausea. And then, you know, but you eat a little bit and then you also feel nauseous. So it's almost like, um, a catch 22 or like you're chasing your own tail. And so I knew that like, I had to be frequently eating something small just to have something in my stomach to help with the nausea. And I also know through research and through client experience that the blood sugar roller coaster can also worsen or instigate the nausea. So blood sugar control can be really helpful, but most of the time, what you are feeling like you can tolerate tend to be carbohydrates, which is totally fine, which is totally fine. So that's where you start with, okay, what sounds good or what sounds like something I can tolerate if that's cracker or a piece of toast, 
start there. Usually if that settles your stomach a little bit, that's when you can focus on, okay, maybe I'll have a little something with protein or fat right now to kind of help so that I'm not having this blood sugar roller coaster. Um, and then I really work with clients individually to say like, okay, what sounds good? You know, a lot of people don't want meats or, you know, animal type proteins when you're having those aversions, but like, what are some other sources of protein that might sound good to fit in? Um, but really just starting with what sounds good. Smoothies typically are pretty well tolerated and that's a great way to boost the nutrition of what you're getting. But ultimately you know, whatever you're able to tolerate. I never like try to tell someone to force eat something that's just going to make them feel sick or not what they want. I remember during my first pregnancy, I was coming straight out of HA recovery. So like in my mind at that time, I had been eating a lot of quote unhealthy foods to get my period back and provide my body with the calories that it needed to gain weight and get pregnant. And so when I was finally pregnant, I felt like, okay, this is the time to finally like eat healthy and focus on nourishing my body. But I was so nauseous and I never physically threw up with my first pregnancy, but the closest I ever came was trying to eat a salad. And so I really empathize with anyone who is wanting to be intentional about eating healthy during pregnancy, but also just like not feeling it. Do you have any like advice that you would speak back to somebody who is feeling the pressure to eat very clean or very healthy, but like just isn't feeling good. Like any like reminders about the way that our body processes food and nutrients and, you know, maybe prioritizes some stuff for baby. Yeah. So, um, no, that makes a really good point. I feel like everyone's, or so many are like, I'm, you know, now that I'm pregnant, I'm really gonna, you know, focus on my nutrition. I'm going to be the healthiest I've ever been because it's not just about you anymore. It's about, you know, you're growing someone else but all these symptoms can really impact that. So I think, you know, a good reminder is you're like, you're doing the best you can. Your body is working so hard to grow a baby. And if you're able to tolerate anything, be proud of that. You know, like I would so much rather somebody eat anything than nothing at all. Right. Because you need any type of energy that you can actually keep down and tolerate and hydration. But when it comes to, you know, the nutrients that your body is supplying to the baby, this actually like your body is so smart and it will pull from your own nutritional stores and reserves to supply them for the baby. So it's not about what you're eating today. It's about your nutritional reserves over the last few months. So anybody who is listening, who is thinking about having a baby in the future, whether that be um, one month, three months, six months, nine months, a year, it is always best to you know, start focusing on your nutrition and supplying your body with the energy and nutrients now for your future pregnancy, because that will set up your body's nutrient supply to be able to provide to baby. I love that. I love that. So like less pressure during the first trimester to get everything in 
because we're hopeful that as we start this pregnancy, especially maybe somebody coming from a background of healing the relationship with food, allowing themselves more food, and maybe even having gained some weight, you know, they've got some extra reserves for, for baby, if they're not able to eat perfectly, if you will, during, during that first trimester or, or even beyond. Absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit more about some specifics that we hear, you know, as dietitians, I know, I mean, I can even, I'm not going to say these numbers, but I have them in my head from undergrad and graduate school. Like as our dietitians, we were taught that women only need a certain amount of calories during their, first, their second and third trimesters. And a lot of times they're saying, you know, no extra calories during the first trimester. Well, would you share just maybe like your professional opinion on the specific calorie recommendations that we often see for pregnant women? Yes. And I still see providers recommending this to, you know, their pregnant patients. And I do not really condone these recommendations because, so I remember this one article that talked about where these numbers came from and they did a study on pregnant women and it was such a range of calorie additional calorie requirements. Some women needed only 50 extra calories a day. Some women needed an extra 500 calories a day. And they ended up just taking the average and saying, okay, all pregnant women need this amount of extra calories per day. But, you know, when I tell my clients this, when, you know, they're asking, or this tends to be like a focus in their mind is, you know, you could be eating, you know, this quote unquote extra calorie requirement per day, but what if your body really only needs that extra 50 or what if you're eating, you know, that amount, but your body needs the 500. So it's really non-specific. And I think that it could almost do more harm than good when someone's focusing on, on a specific calorie level. Um, I more so, um, work with clients on listening to how their body feels. Like sometimes if you're just focusing on a calorie level, you're really not listening to what your body needs. Maybe you need more than that. Maybe your body isn't hungry, but you're forcing yourself to eat those extra calories just because that's, you know, a standard guideline. So it's, it's really not individualized and it takes people away from listening to what their body needs. I couldn't agree more. And I think sometimes we also tend to think about like calorie requirements as this stagnant number when the reality is, is that our metabolisms are so dynamic in general, and especially during pregnancy. And there are going to be days where you feel starving and days that you don't. And so thinking that you should only eat an X amount of number every single day, isn't realistic for somebody's changing needs minute to minute, hour to hour during pregnancy and even life, you know, beyond pregnancy. Such a great point. Yeah, absolutely. And there's so many influences that, you know, alter your metabolic needs. So like you said, day to day, it can be so different. So, um, whether you're pregnant or not, this is why, you know, just tracking your calorie level or calorie intake really takes you away from, you know, listening, listening to your body's needs. Yeah. Why do you think people get so hung up on the calorie ranges? Because, you know, I, I agree with you. I think even sometimes OBs are recommending only X number of calories during, you know, the first trimester or why do you think people tend to get so hung up on the numbers? 
I think because in pregnancy, so much is out of your control that if there's one thing you can focus on, that's what people cling on to. So if they're like, okay, like if my goal is to eat an extra 250 calories every day, that's something that I can, you know, control or focus on doing. And so I think that's what like everybody wants to know that they're doing everything right or doing everything they can to have a healthy pregnancy, have a healthy baby. And so if they're told that this is what you need to do to have a healthy pregnancy, I think, you know, that's what they're going to focus on. That's so true. And for women who really like control, I think we also like the numbers. And that kind of brings me to my next question. There seems to be a lot of pressure on pregnant women to not gain too much weight. We don't so much talk about the flip side, but there's, there's often a lot of pressure. I mean, I think about how frequently, at least in America, pregnant women are weighed during their pregnancy and how closely some things are monitored. Can you share, you know, any experiences that you've seen, you know, positive or negative with OBs very closely monitoring their weight or telling patients you only need to gain X amount per trimester or for the whole pregnancy? Yeah. Oh my gosh. This causes so much anxiety for my clients, um, which I totally get. I mean, even myself, it puts so much pressure on it, like from the get go when it's really not something that's in your control, right? Pregnant women. And I have seen this throughout a whole, like a range of my clients put on weight very differently throughout their pregnancies. And so the guidelines that you should only gain X amount in your first trimester, X amount in your second, X amount in your third can also be really damaging because if someone is gaining more quickly up front, that freaks them out because then they start hearing from their healthcare team that, well, you're gaining too much too quick. And on this rate, you're going to, you know, gain more than you need to. And then that free, you know, just worries women, or on the other hand, it's, you're not gaining enough weight and you need to, um, you know, be gaining more for the health of your baby. And that, and, and then the women are like, well, I'm eating it so much and I I can't eat fit anything more in, I don't know how, how to do this. And so I think it, it causes a lot of fear and overwhelm. Um, and so I think that can be really challenging. And what I've seen from my clients is, you know, some women gain a little bit more upfront and then it tends to stabilize out, but it's something that we really work through, um, together with the mindset and really talking through these points because they don't, they don't get that type of support from their own team. It's like they get weighed, someone makes a comment about that weight and then kind of drop it. And then that just causes anxiety for, for a lot of women. In your practice, women who are maybe dealing with a lot of comments about their weight during pregnancy, do you have any suggestions on how to navigate those difficult OB visits? Maybe even if an OB is talking to their patient openly about this is too much, too fast, like how would you recommend somebody navigate that conversation and ultimately advocate for themselves? Yeah. So for like, specifically for my clients, you know, they'll say like, I'm working with a dietitian. We're really focusing on, you know, my nutrition, um, or, you know, I'm feeling confident in my nutrition right now. Um, 
or, you know, even just doing blind weights, you can ask to not see your weight, or you can even ask to not talk about your weight at your visits. Um, that can be helpful for some too. Um, and it's so interesting because like one client in particular that I'm thinking of, um, was kind of gaining a little more rapidly in the beginning. And I kept reassuring her like, this will likely stabilize, like people put on weight at different times in pregnancy. And so her provider had brought up like the weight gain and you're gaining too quick and you know, blah, blah, blah. And then after we like really talked through this, the next visit, her midwife her midwife was like, Oh, your, you know, your weight looks great. And just kind of dropped it. And right. so I feel like this happens a lot too, where one visit, you know, someone will make a comment or talk about your weight and then you're stressing out for those four weeks until your next visit. And then it's not even mentioned, yeah. you know? And so I don't think providers realize how these comments can make such a big impact on these women, because that's all you're like, that's all you know, these pregnant women will focus on until the next visit. And so that's also a, a big, um, you know, something I see a lot too. Yeah. Well, you think about, um, a lot of those appointments in between like the early weeks and the last, you know, um, four to six weeks, a lot of them are, you go in, you get weighed, they check your blood pressure, they measure your belly and you're out of there. And so you're like, you're right. Like women leave those visits knowing their weight and knowing how big their belly are. And those are like their two focuses. And then it's another four weeks before they see their doctor. And so, um, I love like that idea though, of, like trying to zoom out and think more about like the trend of the weight gain. Like if you gain a little bit more in between one visit, like likely it's going to stabilize out. And, um, I have just like through pregnant friends and also clients, I have just seen such a wide variety of amount of weight that's been gained during pregnancy, like, and babies being completely healthy. One trend I do see though, in women coming into pregnancy straight out of HA recovery is maybe they're holding on to some restrictive habits with food. Maybe they're um, starting to exercise too much during pregnancy and attempt to control the weight gain, or they're focusing on the calories. And then they end up maybe only gaining 12 pounds or so during pregnancy, which, you know, as we know, there is a wide variety, but typically they say at least 25, 35 is pretty average and pretty healthy. Are there risks, Stephanie, for like under eating during pregnancy and under gaining like under that 25 during pregnancy? So it's going to be really individualized because, you know, the weight gain guidelines are sort of based on a starting weight. Right. But, um, that's not, again, that's not really necessarily something that I go off of in my practice. I more so focus on, you know, instead of focusing on your weight at these visits, how is baby measuring? Because if baby is growing according to, you know, the standards, then that's really the most important. Um, so instead of focusing, you know, so much on the weight aspect, focus on baby's growth and also the nutrition that you're getting, because you like your nutrition intake is going to impact, you know, baby's nutrition as well. So, um, you know, if you're not eating enough, that can definitely 
um, impact baby's growth, baby's development, making sure that you're, you know, meeting your nutritional needs from your vitamins and minerals, et cetera. Um, that being said, just as there is with gaining too much weight, there are, um, you know, implications of not gaining enough weight, such as low birth weight, um, baby being born premature, things like that. So based on the studies, there are implications of not gaining enough weight as well. Yeah. 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 And you know, it's interesting because I think that our bodies are really smart and that they prioritize all the good nutrition for the baby. So what I often see at least in the postpartum period with a lot of my clients is that baby turns out fine, but mom can end up kind of underweight and undernourished if, if there isn't that, you know, adequate nutrition during, during pregnancy. So that's always just something I always kind of warn my clients about, but the fear of gaining too much, I think is another thing that like plays into maybe women not gaining enough is they're like, Oh gosh, I don't want to gain too much. I don't want to gain too much. Or my obese monitor and my weight. Um, so it's just a tricky, you know, kind of space to navigate. Yeah. And I think too, people think like, oh, nutritional deficiencies are, you know, more common in underdeveloped countries. It's not as prevalent in, you know, developed countries like the U S and, um, it's so untrue. Like nutritional deficiencies are extremely common. And so it's not only, you know, making sure that you're getting enough weight, but making sure that, you know, you are eating enough to, um, prevent, your own nutritional deficiencies. Like you were saying, your body is going to prioritize baby, but a lot of moms, um, have deficiencies that can be really critical for your own health. Um, well, that kind of leads me to, you know, the next question that I had, Stephanie is, you know, beyond taking a quality prenatal vitamin, are there any other like supplements that pregnant women should be taking in order to have a healthy pregnancy? So it's going to be really individualized based on what mom's diet looks like. Um, you know, as we know, prenatal vitamins are not created equal. And so there are, you know, certain nutrients that aren't even supplied in a lot of prenatals. So one in particular that I think of is choline is super important for brain development and, um, acts similar to folate for, um, you know, the neural tube preventing neural tube defects. And so choline is rarely found in prenatal vitamins. So if your prenatal vitamin does not contain choline, that might be something that would need to be taken separately, um, depending on your, your diet too. So I wouldn't say there's a, like a, a particular supplement that should be included. It's just going to depend on what your diet looks like and what, um, is in your prenatal vitamin. Yeah. And there's so much more research coming out on choline and the importance of it and how it's kind of been this like big, like missed nutrient during pregnancy. And so that that's a really good one to pay attention to. Do you have any other tips for what someone should look like, uh, look for as they're making a choice about what, um, a good prenatal is? Um, so choline is a big one. Also your DHA and EPA. So sometimes prenatal vitamins will only have DHA, which is important for brain development, but EPA is equally as important because that's what helps the DHA cross the placenta. So looking for EPA in your vitamin as well. 
Um, you know, iron may or may not be required for you. It depends. But one thing is, um, check your prenatal because you would want to see either iron or calcium. Those two nutrients compete for absorption. So you don't want to have a high amount of both, um, in your prenatal vitamin. Um, some women do need extra magnesium. Um, magnesium needs are higher in pregnancy and most people do not consume enough magnesium in their diets. And so, um, this is magnesium is helpful pretty much for all cellular activity, but also if you're experiencing like those Charlie horses or muscle cramps, which are common in pregnancy, magnesium can be really helpful for that. Um, another tip though, is you can take like a warm Epsom salt bath and Epsom salts have magnesium and that can be, um, absorbed through the skin. And so that could be another way to get your magnesium, but those are a couple, couple examples there. Yeah. I love that. Well, and Stephanie, you've given so many great tips and tricks. Where would somebody go if they wanted to work with you, see more of your content? Do you have any like freebies or anything like other people could check out when it comes to either a prenatal or just general pregnancy nutrition? Yeah. So, um, you can find me on Instagram. My handle there is pregnancy underscore nutritionist. And there's a link in my bio to apply for my one-on-one program right now. And I actually do have a sort of like meal it's like a recipe guide, I guess, like a little recipe book. Um, so if anyone is interested in that, you can DM me for the link, um, for the recipe guide. And in there is also lots of different tips on certain nutrients, like highlighted nutrients for pregnancy and trying to conceive what they do for your body and your baby and what foods you can find them in. Love that. That is so helpful. And I will link, um, your Instagram in the show notes so that people can have easy access to that. And we appreciate you and your time and all your wisdom on prenatal nutrition. Um, so thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. If you found this episode to be inspiring or helpful, please share on social media and tag me at food.freedom.fertility. Also, don't forget to leave a rating and a review.